This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, my name's Daryl Ong and you tune in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Today on the program, we have Malaysian rallying legend Karamjit Singh, aka the Flying Sikh, who is set to make his return with the newly formed Cisco Racing Team. But first up, this week's news roundup on the good, the bad and the ugly. And as usual, Sabrina Magdalene joins us from the news desk and we're going to do things a bit different today. We're going to start with the bad news of the week because we have two pieces of good news for you this week. Yeah, so yet again, we revisit this topic, racial abuse. And this time, it happened to Man City striker Raheem Sterling. I think this is not his first time either. Um, He actually received racist abuse on Instagram. And Facebook says it removed the comment and taken action against the account responsible. And this actually came two days after the end of English football's four-day boycott of social media mm. in response to ongoing online abuse. The irony, right? And not only that, you know, a few athletes have also come out to reveal their experiences like Japanese NBA rising star Rui Hachimura. Uh, he said he receives racist messages every day, almost every day. Mm. And his brother, 21-year-old Arin Hachimura, the same thing, you know, he posted an online image of a direct message in Japanese that used a racial insult right. which told him to die. Wow. Um, last month, US Olympic snowboarding champion Chloe Kim, she said that she receives racist abuse on social media on a daily basis. Uh, and this is especially happening during a time where um, a- Asians are facing um, yeah. racial abuse mm-hmm. in, uh, in the US. Mm. And also former Arsenal and France footballer Thierry Henry he left all of his social media platforms in March, saying not enough had been done to tackle racial abuse. You know, that's exactly Terry Henry's. Uh, people should follow Terry Henry's footsteps. You know, racism has always been in sport, and um, it's a problem that still um, still has to be managed. Still hasn't gone away yet. But I feel that a very easy fix, like all the stories, all the people that you've mentioned so far boils down to one thing, right? Social media. Yeah, correct. Maybe everyone should follow in Terry Henry's footsteps and just you know, get the toxic. Um, things out of the way, you yeah, know, just just abandon social media um, completely. It I, will definitely send a message. For yeah. sure. All right, from that, we move on to the local front and the good news of the week. Yes, so Malaysian athletes are getting ready for another attempt uh, to secure the country's first gold medal. I mean, sorry, first gold Olympic medal. Yes. And they're demonstrating that by getting a COVID-19 vaccine. So, so far... 242 out of 264 athletes and officials involved in the Olympics and Paralympics have already gotten their uh, second jab. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it happened in KL. Mm. And all and some of them were uh, All-England Badminton Champion, Lee Zijia, uh, Mixed Double Shuttler, Goh Liu Ying, Gymnast Farah Ann Abdul Hadi, and a few others as well. So the remainder of the athletes that have not gotten their second doses yet, um, the reason why is because some of them are competing in like... Um, Events like the Diving World Cup in yep, Tokyo yep, yep. and also track cyclists like Azizul Hasni Awang and Muhammad Shafridaus. Away Sharuk. from the country. Yeah, they mm. are actually in Melbourne training. Mm. So um, Youth and Sports Minister Rizal American, Nine American says that none of the athletes and officials that are going to the Tokyo Olympics will be left out from getting vaccinated. So nice, this is yeah. good news. Definitely. And the gears are grinding right towards uh, the Olympics and hopefully, you know, um, all goes well and we get our first Olympic gold medal yes. come July. Alright, uh, from that we move on to the great news of the week and this is a big one. 
Definitely. So Panda Leila Rinung got Malaysia in the history books. She won our first ever gold medal in the Diving World Cup in Tokyo. Yep. I think everyone knows that by now. And, and this happened in the absence of China, Australia and North Korean divers. Okay. Um, she won 355.70 points in total after completing seven dives uh, to claim victory in the women's 10-meter platform individual event. Uh, Japan's Japan actually finished with a silver medal and Canada captured the bronze. Right. And even at the 2012 London Olympics, um, Panalela won a bronze medal at the same event. And of course, you know, Panalela's accomplishment has drawn, you know, many congratulatory messages, including from our very own the Yang, Yang Dipatuan Agung, mm-hmm. who called it as a very meaningful success for Malaysia and an inspiration for her to continue to win the gold at the Tokyo Olympic Games this July. But that's not the only news from the Fina Diving World Cup. Um, it was not the best ending for Malaysian former world champion Chong Jun Hung because she qualified for the semi-final but only managed to finish 18th after bagging 237.35 points. Mm. Nevertheless, props to Jun Hong because she already achieved her goal of qualifying for the Tokyo Olympics. That's right, yeah. I mean, uh, Pandarela, of course, uh, a sporting icon in, in Malaysia and it's about something about momentum, right? Yes. This, I think this victory came at the right time and the lead up to the Olympics. So, yeah, again, we wish them all well. Thank you so much, Sabrina, for this week's news on the good, bad and ugly. On to our feature of the week and to the world of local motorsports and rallying in particular. In the yesteryears, local rallying was synonymous and still is with the flying Sikh Karamjit Singh, a man who's been racing since 1985, winning numerous championships, including the FIA World Rally Championship production car title with co-driver Alan O in 2002. Years on, and due to the COVID-19 pandemic and a lack of sponsorships, he struggled to make ends meet, even selling his trusty 17-year-old Waja for a newer car to go into e-hailing. Nevertheless, the good times are set to come back, along with the newly formed Cisco Racing Team. Karamjit Singh is set to make his return after three years at the Malaysian National Rally Championships in Sepang come June. He joins us on the program this week to look back at his amazing career so far, as well as give us a taste of what's to come from the flying seat. There's been no rallying in Malaysia since 2019. We had the last event was in November 2018 in Trungano, and 2019-2020, uh, obviously because of COVID, there was no rallying. Mm-hmm. So there's been a two uh, two and a half year break. Now, yes, uh, so nobody has been rallying actually in Malaysia since then, and. Uh, well, I'm definitely looking forward to coming back and uh, hopefully winning again. Um, we'll and, see. Uh, yeah, so we'll see. Lah, yeah. Uh, your comeback uh, is fueled and powered by the newly formed Cisco Racing Team. Yes. Um, how did this partnership come about? Can you tell us a story about that? Basically, uh, Rabin, the owner of Cisco Securities, uh, Secu- Security, um, he contacted me. He read about my, you know, my situation and uh, he contacted me. He got my number from someone and he contacted me and... Uh, he said, can I meet up with you? I would like to you know, speak to you and things like that. And uh, he told me he's a big fan and uh, he would like to, when we met up, he said, you know, would like to help me out and get back into the rallying scene. And, that's great. Yeah, mm. so that's how Cisco Racing Team came about, yeah. Mm. Let's go Let's go to that uh, point again. Uh, that documented, you know, the COVID-19 pandemic hit all of us hard. You, you as well, you had to sell your trusty 16, 17-year-old Proton Waja for a new car. Because yes. you wanted to go into e-hailing. Yes. 
what are your thoughts on national sporting heroes, national icons like yourself, not being looked after by you know the associations or government, what have you, post-retirement? What are your thoughts on that? I can't really say much, but uh, I do hope that there would be a, a system to help uh, former you know uh, sportsmen of all all categories to be you know uh, look looked after once they retire. Mm. Uh, I think um, my case has uh, sort of uh, opened up the eyes a bit, you know. So they are looking, the government is looking into it. So hopefully uh, the situation will improve for the future. Uh, yeah. You're due to, if all goes well, you're due to get back into rallying in July, in June. June in yes. June, that's right. And you're set to reunite with your old partner, co driver and navigator, Jagdev Singh. Mm hmm. Um, tell us a bit about the importance of the driver and co-driver slash nav navigator relationship, both in and out of the car. Yes, uh, it's actually very important. Uh, most successful partnerships, uh, both of them are very close to each other, and you know, we've been I've been friends with uh, Jagdev for since 1985. I mm. think, yeah. So we know each other a long time, and uh, we 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 used to go go kart racing and together for many years play squash together. You know, we, we spend a lot of time together. Similarly, with uh, with my former co-driver for El uh, Eleanor for 10 years and and uh, we, he taught me how to play golf and, you know, <laughs> yeah, things like that. So we became very close. So you are very close and especially with Ellen because six months of the year, I used to sleep in the same room with Ellen, you know, <laughs> all over the world, you know. So you, you have to be close you know, to each other. Like, Second and, uh, family yeah, almost. And, uh, and uh, Ellen is a very professional uh, disciplined human being, mm. um, and uh, he taught me a lot. Uh, and that's in that sense, right? you know, discipline. And um, yeah, so he's very professional, and uh, he's been he's a fantastic uh, co-driver. He has been, and uh, we've been very successful together. Uh, yeah. What are the qualities you look for in a co-driver? First thing is uh, he's got to have the guts to sit next to you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, because you know he's very fast, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and you know when the car is jumping around and he's reading these space notes and you know whether he can read them and things like that. So both Eleno and Jagdev and even my former co-driver Ron, mm. because they've been rally drivers themselves before. Before being co-drivers, they were rally drivers, so they know what the driver needs and stuff. Mm. So uh, obviously you have, you have to have, like I said, the trust in each other and things like that. And yeah. And you've got to be sharp. Like, and a co-driver has to be sharp because he has to be make sure he keeps calling the, the yeah. corners, the pace notes. You know, yeah. mm. um, Karamjit, let's backtrack a little bit, go back to your early years. Um, could you tell us what got you interested in rallying specifically out of all the motorsports? Uh, okay, it's 1980. Uh, I saw a rally video. A friend of mine bought this video from UK and he said, Karam, I think you'll be interested to watch this. Mm. So it was RAC rally in the UK, 1980. And... Uh, the great Ari Watanen was driving this Ford Escort Mark II. Wipers full speed, raining as hell, and he's slip sliding all over at high speeds. And uh, and I watched the whole tape. And once the tape was over, and I, a few friends of us, we were watching together, about five or six of us. And I told them, "That's me, guys. That's gonna. That's me. That's what I want to do from today onwards. Nothing else matters." I'm going to be a rally driver mm. and I want to be world champion. Mm. Why rallying though? Uh, I, know, I know you've done go-karting before, and you've done track racing before, but yes. rallying is a whole different beast, isn't it? Well, I find rallying the most challenging and the most interesting and in the sense that, you know, there's no two similar corners. Mm. You know, like you can have 10,000 corners in a rally and every corner is different. Right. You know, unlike track racing or go-kart where you go round and round, you know, 
like in Sapang, you have got 15 corners and you just go round and round and you know this corner is third gear, that corner is fourth gear, you know, you know where to brake, where to accelerate, when to drop gears and stuff. So it becomes, for me, a bit boring. La. <laughs> yeah. I get what you yeah. mean. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because everything is studied very meticulously. Okay, yes. I hit the apex here, I brake here, the braking yes. zone is here. Yes. Oh, railing is not like that, huh? No, railing is not like that. Uh. Yeah, and you don't get to practice in on the rally road. You see, unlike uh, racing, you can qualify and you you know you get to practice in your race car. Yeah. Whereas rallying, you when you do reconnaissance, you are actually doing it in a normal road car. Mm, I see. So you never get to practice. So there's no second chance in rallying. You know, if you take the corner fast or slow, it's only one time, one chance you get. One chance. Yeah. Peugeot four four was actually the first car that you used in your first race, your dad's car, right? Yes. Uh, tell us a bit about your first race. Once I found out about rallying in Malaysia, and then I started to, you know, volunteer myself to help the organizers to learn about the sport. Mm. So I do. I used to do arrow planting. I used to do a, a sweeper car. I used to um, be a start marshal, finish marshal, just to learn the, you know, mm. to learn the, to get to know the people involved and also to learn the sports. And then in 1985, the opportunity came when they had a Castrol Daylight Rally, which was to actually attract new new talent to rallying, right. which was actually quite successful. And many new drivers came out from that uh, thing, that uh, talent uh, search. So, yeah. That rally was the cheapest for anybody to drive because it was just a daylight rally. You know, you didn't have to super modify. You didn't have to buy spotlights and things like that. And mm. so accessible too. Yeah, it's, it was cheaper, and and I had retreat rally tires on, and you know, it was just cheap like, You know, and I got my father's car, and I got my father to sponsor me five hundred. My boss gave me five hundred. All my friends, it's five fifty ringgit each, and things like that, and we went rallying. Yeah, yeah. I just want to ask about that because you know when you actually approach your dad and say, "Dad, can I use your car?" Was there any resistance at all? Uh, no, because uh, <laughs> actually he he knew I was a good driver because I used to drive him around. Because he was a lawyer, and he used to go uh, outstation a lot, you mm. know, to for cases and stuff uh, until up to Penang and you know Kuantan uh, and stuff like that, Johor and stuff. So I used to drive him. And uh, he knew I was a good driver. And those days, there was no highway, you know, so you know. Yeah. Trunk roads. Yeah, trunk roads mm. and stuff, yeah. yeah. So, so, he, so he said, yeah, go ahead, take my car, yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. And then on to the race? Yeah, um, unfortunately, we didn't finish. Uh, we got stuck in mud on the in the last stage. Uh, we were leading by actually, uh, believe it or not, by 16 minutes. And oh. the last stage, uh, which was about 18 kilometers long, I had caught up. I, was, I kept on, actually every stage I was overtaking four cars in the stage. But in the last stage, I was I caught up with the fifth car and he refused to let me overtake him. Because actually in railing, if you catch up, if somebody catches up with you, you should give him weight because obviously he's so much faster than you. Mm. Because the interval is one minute. Mm. And this guy actually started the stage five minutes bef before me. Right. So he was the fifth car. That means he started five minutes before me and I caught up with him. But he refused, refused to let me overtake, and uh, I was just right up his, you know, back. And uh, there was one slippery corner. He lost control. He crashed into a tree. So to avoid him, I swerved my car and my car, and he got stuck in mud. And right. the Peugeot, you know, is such a heavy car, and we couldn't get it out. Couldn't get it out. Mm. Yeah. It really strikes me when you know, Karamji, this is your first race, and you've had many, many races after that. But you remember this one so vividly. Yes, because uh, well, I really wanted to finish that event. But you know, being uh, rookies, right? We were so green. I did not know I was leading by 16 minutes. But right. I should have made. I mean, I should have known. You know, at least a little bit. But uh, so you know, because. 
whether you win by 16 minutes or by 6 seconds you still win you know so mm. I, i could have driven slowly on the last stage and won by 12 minutes you know things like that but mm. yeah that time we were you know yeah we were so new and like, green line that was national icon and rallying champion karamjit singh aka the flying sikh more of the conversation coming right up so to stick around on here on banan on bfm 89.9 BFM 89.9, my name's Daryl Ong and tune into Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. On the program so far this week, we've been speaking to Karamjit Singh, a national rallying icon, on his return to competitive rallying this coming June with the Malaysian National Rally Championship in Sepang. Karamjit is a Malaysian legend who's been driving since 1985. He'll be helming the 2-litre four-wheel drive Proton Gen 2 Turbo, which follows his signature of only using Proton cars in his career. We pick up the conversation with Karamjit Singh by asking about his affinity with locally made cars. I must say I'm a patriotic in that sense like, because uh, you know, my first opportunity came as a works driver you know, in 1988. Uh, when Tato Razak uh, called me up uh, because I used to drive a Toyota then it was my own car yeah. and uh, you know uh, Proton used to drive Eon they had two drivers uh, in in the same category as me it's a 1.6 and below you know 1.6 litre cars and below and I used to win and they, they would come out second and third right so for the first three rallies uh, I won and they came out second and third So the fourth for the fourth event before the fourth event I got called up and uh, Dato said come and see me and then he offered me a drive in 1988 but uh, he gave me a 1.3 <laughs> so in that those days so everybody would call me said Karam is the third mother's son you know you what? know what I mean yeah third wife's son sorry third wife's third son. Wife son yeah so then slowly graduated to second wife's son and you know the can <laughs> and I finally got the the supercar the Iswara turbo four wheel drive in 1993 right yeah So I've been driving, yes, I've been driving Proton cars so, mm. since 1988. And I guess uh, you're kind of used to how it handles. And Do you feel uh, different when you say you jump into another car? No, but every car handles slightly differently like, you know, mm. because of the weight distribution and stuff like that. Gotcha. But, but uh, you get used to the car very fast. You know, maybe if maximum five minutes in the car, you know how the car behaves already. You mm. know? Yeah. Uh, this go- goes, I guess, against the grain. You know, there's a stigma about um, Proton or Produa cars that, you know, They're like plastic, they're a tin can on the road. But you proved them wrong, you know. You actually brought the Proton name uh, on the international stage, you know, beating, you know, other manufacturers. Um, there is something special, right, winning with the Proton outside of Malaysia. Yes, I mean, uh, I actually have big to differ about Proton cars being uh, Milo tin or whatever. Because actually, <laughs> it's not true. I mean, for many years, until 2000 plus, you know, uh, Proton cars were basically Mitsubishi cars, you know, mm. yeah. And uh, Mitsubishi is actually a very good car, mm. very reliable engines, gearboxes and stuff. And I'm sure you know with the Evos and how reliable they are in railing, especially uh, much more reliable than a, f- a couple of other Japanese brands. Right. Uh, since 2000, I would say Proton cars, the, the body shell is pretty strong, you know, they, mm. they use the... The cars are pretty tough, lah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Great spokesperson for Proton, both words and actions. Um, going back to you know when you had to fund your career, you had difficulty finding sponsors, all that kind of stuff. You had to, you actually had to, um, I guess, use your own savings to fund your rallying career. Karamjit, would you say compared to today that 
rallying is an expensive sport to get into? Uh, any form of motorsport is expensive. Yeah, but uh, I mean, it, of course, nothing compared to Formula One. Formula One is, uh, you know, it's super expensive, like, Yeah, mm. but um, depends on what kind of category you you want to drive in. Like, uh, if you were if you want to do the Asia Pacific Rally Championship now. In a in a proper rally car, four wheel drive turbo R five, you know the the car that's allowed to drive in Asia Pacific, the top car is, is a R five specification. Okay, costs you probably almost four million ringgit. You oh. know, uh, but if you're going to drive a one point six NA front wheel drive car, it might cost you one million ringgit. Mm. So it all depends on the car as well. Mm. So. Um, Yeah, it depends on your budget and things like that. But of course, I I'm looking forward uh, to drive an R5 in the Asia Pacific. Hopefully next year. Or, yeah. Mm. All rallying fans look forward to that too. But um, would you say it's easier now for you know aspiring rally dri- rallying drivers, especially with sponsors coming in to you know unearth new talents and stuff? I think well, we are going to try to make it easier for younger mm. generation drivers because we're going to do sort of search for talent you know for the future very nice Karamjit Singh so to speak mm. yeah so t- together with Cisco Racing uh, mm. we have that plan uh, we've, I've sat I mean, we've sat many times and spoken together with Rabin and that's our plan maybe uh, going to the grassroots yeah, yes. and right yes yeah. we want to revive rallying into the, sorry the glory days of, of the yesteryear like, you know from in the 80s and 90s We were the talk of Asia, you know. Mm. We used to everybody'd say, you know, the best rally is in Malaysia. You yeah. Know? So we want to you know, get back that name, yeah. Yeah, and I think with you coming back into the scene, you know, interest will definitely come come back as well naturally. Yeah, we hope so. Yeah. Um, Karanji, you plan to o- open a rally school? How's that going? Um, it's still in the pipeline, uh, you know, because uh, you know it's COVID and stuff like that. So nothing is really moving at the moment because we can't really meet each other and uh, we can't plan properly. But uh, mm. it's it's in the pipeline now for the future. Yeah, you mentioned F1 and F1 is ex- as sexy and as um, fun in the commas for spectators as you know motorsport can be. Rallying, unfortunately, doesn't draw that much interest. Um, number one, what would you attribute that to? Um, also, you know, some would say that F1 when F1 came to Malaysia, it actually killed local motorsport. Would, would that, you agree with that? I agree with that, yeah. Because, uh, uh, I mean, frankly, uh, we lost our sponsor. Petronas used to be our sponsor for rallying for se- 17 years. We drove uh, under Petronas Eon uh, rally team. And uh, when Formula One came and then uh, they pulled out and they even pulled out from, they used to actually organize, the sponsor the organizers in the early days, you know, right. yeah, until I think 2001, they used to sponsor. Mm. So, yeah, so, uh, but talking about rallying, not so popular. Actually, in 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 Europe and in WRC, the rallying is extremely popular. If you know, if yes. you see the mm-hmm. viewership, it's actually more than a billion, you know, uh, in, in some cases, some rallies actually is more than the Formula One viewership, you know, in, in WRC, yeah. Mm. Do, do you think one of the solutions to, you know, a boost awareness of rallying in Malaysia is to, can we host a WRC here? Uh, that's, that's, we definitely can. Uh, and uh, that's we, my, my ambition is to bring WRC to Malaysia. Mm. Do we have the infrastructure ready we for have, it? We have, believe me, we have mm. all the infrastructure and the, yeah, we have beautiful roads for, mm. for WRC, yeah. So well, what's stopping it then? Exciting. Um, well, <laughs> finance line, you know, money, mm. yeah. yeah. It's, not, it's not going to be cheap, but mm. it will be a fantastic event, yeah. For sure. Yeah. As much as track racing, Karamjit, is a sprint, rallying is 
pretty much a marathon, right? Um, endurance racing, three days over thousands, thousand over kilometers. Um, how do you find the stamina and the drive to go on in that three days? I think I'm pretty fit for for my age. I I do yeah. keep myself fit. You know, in fact, later I'm going to play badminton. Oh, I play really? badminton twice a week. Yeah, um, I used to play squash, and, but uh, now my friends have uh, given up squash. So we play badminton twice a week. To keep fit, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I do some gym and stuff like that and uh, go to the driving range, hit 200 balls twice a week as well. Wow. Yeah, so yeah, that kind of thing. And uh, I, t- I take care of my food. So do- I have not a problem uh, driving for three days or two days. I mean, local rallies are two days. Uh, Asia Pacific now also two days. Only WRC is three days. WRC is three yeah. days. Yeah. Do you ever feel jaded in between those days? Like, oh man, I got to go drive again tomorrow. Or no. is it the opposite? Well, it's opposite. You can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait for the next rally. Yeah, That's yeah. great. Um, on the theme of, uh, I guess, perseverance and stamina, what's the most difficult rally or rally stage you have ever raced and why? Uh, the safari rally for sure. It's actually, the safari rally is three times longer than a normal WRC rally. So six six days. It's three days, but it's it's Long. one thousand a day. You know, in, in a normal rally is one thousand. This is three thousand. Right, a day. On one thousand a day, so total of three thousand. So three times as long and super rough, tough, and uh, uh, it's an extreme rally. Whereas the sense that it's extremely rough and it can be extremely smooth, where you are doing you are doing uh, two hundred and 10 or 220 kilometers per hour for five minutes flat. Wow. <laughs> because the road is so fl- so flat, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you're doing uh, five kilometers per hour in first gear over the rough rocks and stuff like that. So it's a totally extreme event. Wow, okay. So that's fast and slow. Yeah, yeah. It is so, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, so sometimes the average speed of the, re- the stage can be 160 kilometers mm-hmm. per hour, which is very high. Average speed. That means you imagine you're doing 200 plus on the straights. Yeah, so that was the toughest event, and uh, but we won it, like, you know, on our first attempt, and we we won it. Yeah, so very long uh, rally, and, and uh, was very happy to have won it. Yeah, mm. is it hard, uh, Karamji? You know, you've traveled all over, the, all over the world, different terrains. Is it hard to adapt um, your driving style based on the terrain? Uh, not really. I think uh, uh, what do you call that? When it's raining, when it's slippery, it's it's, it's a bit a bit tough, like, you know. Mm. Uh, Especially in Malaysia, in Malaysia when it rains, it becomes very slippery, you know. And you know, yeah. But uh, I thought snow driving on snow would be very tough. But actually, I had a lot of fun driving on snow. Yeah, really enjoyed driving on snow in Sweden. Mm. Uh, yeah, and we came out second actually, and uh, nice. everybody was quite surprised. You know, this this Asian guy came, came you know, first time seeing the snow and you know coming and winning. Because the, you don't get to practice on the snow yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. So, but uh, mm. to be honest, I we did uh, one day of testing. Nice mm. on the snow, and uh, I got a feel of it. So, and it was really fun. And in that Swedish forest, we actually touched two hundred and four kilometers per hour. In that, yeah, which was surprising when Ellen said, "Hey, you know, hey, boy, you know how fast we were driving." And I said, oh. <laughs> "So what? Two hundred and four kilometers per hour in the Swedish forest." So wow, that is really fast. <laughs> yeah, um, you have accomplished. You, have, you, have, you already have a very accomplished and successful career. So I'm thinking that to choose a highlight is going to be really hard for you. But, you know, your story is not over yet. You're set to re, you come back in, in June. But if you had to, what has been your proudest moment so far? Definitely, I mean, winning the Production Car World Championship and especially in our first attempt because 
uh, actually we had a three-year program. The program was, uh, you know, first year we go and learn, you know, the roots and stuff like that. And the second year we sort of, you know, improve. And third third year we were supposed to be the champions, mm. but we won it the first year itself. So yeah, that is really proud for us because for me and Ellen, and because that that year we were also Asia Pacific champions. So we were double champions and. Only two people have done that before me and Carlos Sainz have done that two championships in one year. Yeah. Mm. Rallying fans in Malaysia, we definitely look forward to your to your return. Um, last few questions. You you basically booked Malaysia on the rallying world map. Um, Malaysia rally is known as Karamjit Singh World. Um, what can you say about I guess the current crop of local ra- rallying drivers now? We have a few good drivers, actually. Um, I mean, they're not so young. Maybe they're in their early 30s and stuff. But it's okay, actually. Rally drivers, are, age doesn't really matter. You know, mm. if you if you are fit and you have the driving skill, you can you can drive till you're 60 plus. You know, mm. it's proven in actually in America. And I have a friend, a French guy, uh, Jean-Louis Leroux. And he's 70 years old now and he just bought a brand new R5 rally car and uh, he's going rallying, you know, and he hasn't stopped, you know, he's, he's, he's been rallying, I think, 44 years or 45 years. Age is just a number. Yeah, and mm. of course he keeps himself fit, you know, he cycles a lot mm. and, he, and he's fit and he's 70 years old and he's still, still rallying. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Out, out of all our local drivers, have you ever looked at one young person and said, okay, that might be the next me? Uh... I mean, a few, yes, but some of them have come and gone, unfortunately, because uh, no support and things like that, you know, Mm. so we need the Ministry of Youth and Sports to be, you know, to get into it, you know, get more interested in in rallying and support the sport more, and then we can help them identify who's, you know, who's good and who we can nurture for the future, yeah. That was national icon and rallying champion Karamjit Singh, a.k.a. the Flying Sikh. And with that, we've come to the end of this week's program. If you'd like to check out the interview with Karamjit again, uh, you can head over to our website, www.dfm.my forward slash bar none. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can tweet us at BFM Radio. My name's Daryl Ong. You have been tuning in to Bar None, the show that brings you through the ins and outs of the sporting world. Join us again next week only here on Bar None on BFM 89.9, the business station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.